Waltney Group, Remax Results. Welcome to Rochester Real Estate, featuring Robin Gwaltney from Gwaltney Group Remax Results and Andy Brownell. Here's Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Andy Brownell with Robin Gwaltney with Gwaltney Group Remax Results. It's Saturday morning. Good morning, Robin. Good morning from Nashville. <laughs> oh, the country, you know. Is, is Nashville is the something music, music music city of the world? I don't know. Music. I'm, I'm not here for the operating. music. Yeah, I'm not here for the music. We have some really good friends who both turned sixty this year, and they're throwing a birthday party this afternoon at the Steeplechase Horse Race. So yeah, ah, you'll have to but, wear the oh yeah, weird big hats. fancy hat. You'll have to watch for my pictures on Facebook. <laughs> some of the hats last week at the Kentucky Derby were just. <laughs> Over the top. Bizarre, bizarre. Yeah, yeah, mine's not like that. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope you have fun at the steeplechase. I have a friend oh, who recently moved to Nashville, and he claims Nashville has the perfect weather. Okay, I think the weather's really nice. It's, it's I think, going to be 84 today. So, yeah, it's it's but nice. It's beautiful. It the sun's shining. cold in the winter either. Right. But uh, you know what? You think we have housing problems in Rochester. Oh, we have a friend whose daughter is in the process of buying here in Nashville and she's gotten beat out in so many offers and they keep calling me for advice. And, oh, wow. you know, should we go this much further? It's it's really tough. It is tough. You know, I wish I could somehow get a magical answer to how we got to where we're at today. I, I think I know some of the pieces of the puzzle that put this together. Obviously, you go back to a little bit over a decade ago during the Great Recession when we had too many houses and then a lot of people fled from the trades and building houses because there was no more money to be made. Right. But then also now, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not on this, Robin, the millennials finally entered the housing market in a big way in the last yes, five years. absolutely. And, and the low, low interest rates had a lot to do with oh, that. Yeah. But the sheer number of people wanting to buy homes because the millennial number is actually bigger than the baby boom number exactly. as far as people is concerned. And a and lot of people don't realize that. And there were so many people predicting that the millennials weren't really interested in home ownership. Yep. Well, they are. <laughs> they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for, guys. Yeah, they're <laughs> definitely buying houses. And I love it. I love it. And you know something? I actually have a couple of articles in my little um, arsenal here this week about renting. So let's let's talk about renting. Because okay? a lot of people are finding themselves having to rent, right? Right. So one article that I have that I found very interesting was renters are squeezing into tighter spaces. Apartment sizes have decreased over the past decade. Well, imagine that. You know, they can put more units in and raise more money. Hmm. Yeah. Right? So it says that the top 10 cities with the least personal space per renter, all 10 of them are in California. Uh. And the number 10, the average space per renter is 340 square feet. So imagine living in half of per. your garage. Half of your garage per renter. Okay. Wow. And um, the smallest of all was in Fontana, California, at 285 square feet per renter. So not exactly spacious living. But what do I find it's... right behind that? Yeah, tell me. What do you think? What do you think's happened to the price of rent? 
Oh, it has, oh, we've seen it locally. It's gone through the roof. And this is something that I hadn't really given thought to at all, but... I'm not surprised, but I have an article from the National Association of Realtors that came out this past Thursday, and the title is Renters Facing Bidding Wars. Oh, no. Yeah. So bidding wars, as we all know, have grown really common in home sales, but now they're actually a part of the process of renting an apartment. So what's happening is properties are definitely in a short supply. The demand is definitely high. So people are putting in bids for more than the asking price. So this one, this one uh, REMAX agent was actually quoted, and he says, for example, we had a property that had been renting for $1,260 a month. When the tenant left, we put the property back on the market for $1,595 and had over 600 inquiries oh and God. close to 300 applications. Okay. So they they raised it by $335 a month, and people came out of the woodwork trying to rent it. And he said, some tenants will offer over the listed price just to get their application to the top of the stack. So this one is what floored me. He says, it's not uncommon for property owners to return to the applicants and ask them to submit their highest and best offer to rent a place. To rent someplace. To rent yeah. a place. So Austin, Texas real estate pro Jason Edwards told Realtor.com that in the first quarter of the year, rentals in the suburbs were A, sold out, and B, rented on average 35% higher than the listed asking price. Okay? That's, that's crazy is what that yeah. is. Yeah. And in the Los Angeles market, check this out. The hot properties will go for 1.5 times the listed monthly rent. So if they're advertising apartment for rent for 3000 and you want it, you might have to pay $4,500 a month. You know what I rent say to that? an apartment. So you know what I say to that? Maybe 6% interest rates, if that's where they are, isn't the worst thing in the world. No. And... Uh Oh, just to put it back into perspective, historically, what we're looking at, what interest rates were eh, 10, 13 years ago, maybe? Okay, so I have an article here that says mortgage rates reached the highest level since 2009. 2009, so, okay. Since 2009. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate averaged 2.96 one year ago this week. And now averages 5.27. So, see, I'm even being facetious when I say 6%. Yeah. But, you know, you hear it, right? So, um, so that means they've gone from 3%, just about 3 to just a little over 5 and a quarter. Mortgage rates resumed their climb this week as the 30-year fixed rate reached its highest point since 2009. And this is coming from Sam Cotter, Freddie Mac's chief economist. Okay. While housing affordability and inflation pressures pose challenges for potential buyers, house price growth, growth will continue but is expected to decelerate, decelerate in coming months. So you know why that is? Because people are not going to be able to bid 
50,000 over, 75,000 over now that the interest rates are up a little bit. Because let me tell you what, when people were locking in at barely over 2%, they were thinking, well, geez, if I go 50,000 over, my payment's going to go up by what, 125 bucks a month? It's worth it to get it. Yeah. So they were doing it. But if the rates are going up and that's going to, you know, change their their payment quite a bit because right now you can probably buy well I don't know 40 to 50,000 less in house price so if you could get 350 at this time last year you might want to be shopping for 300 this year if you're trying to stick within a certain payment right so uh, and if you are paying more because of the interest rate you're not going to be so willing to pay over which is exactly what hiking the interest rates is supposed to do exactly supposed to cool it down Yes, 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 yes. So, 30-year fixed mortgages averaged 5.27 with an average of 0.9 point. We haven't heard of points for a while, have we? No, we haven't. Rising <laughs> rising from last week's 5.10. A year ago, a 30-year rate was 2.96. You can still get a 15-year fixed rate mortgage for 4.5, an average um, 0.8% increase from last week's 4.4 and a year ago was 2.3. So yeah, they're definitely they're definitely up, but it is not the end of the world, I oh, promise. Cool. I promise. And I keep trying to hammer it home to the people I know that this is just about where rates are. I mean, this is yeah. historically the average for interest rates. Right around and, that 5 to 6% range. I don't know if I can talk about lumber, or do we have to take a break? We have to take a break. You have better All timing right. than I. I love track of the <laughs> clock. So. All right. You're running the show. We're going to take a break. Okay. <laughs> Robin Gwaltney with Gwaltney Group Remax Results this morning on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We'll be right back with Robin Gwaltney and Andy Brownell on Rochester Real Estate. This is News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. From Gwaltney Group, Remax Results, and Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Robin Gwaltney with Gwaltney Group, Remax Results. Of course, I'm this Saturday morning. Um, Robin, um, has you mentioned we're not seeing these crazy, or we're get, beginning to not see the crazy offers over asking for homes are, has this had an impact on the lumber prices yet the interest well, rate in my opinion that is in my opinion it's the interest rates that have impacted the lumber prices because the lumber prices have now fallen to the lowest level of 2022 okay so from january till now they're going down well from january till now the interest rates have gone up right so if you do the math and you figure out okay we have to pay these exorbitant prices for lumber and pay a higher interest rate the payments are going to be out of our reach out of our budget i know you've heard me say this a million times andy and hopefully there's a lot of um regular listeners out there that have heard the same but when i'm selling a house i am honestly telling people focus on what your monthly expenses are going to be don't get too fixed on what the purchase price is and don't get too fixed on what your interest rate is what you want to get fixed on is with this purchase price at this interest rate what's it going to cost me per month to live in this house because what are your options 
options. You have to live somewhere, right? So if you decide to go rent, maybe you're going to get into a bidding war and offer best and final and pay 300, 400, 500 more than they're asking you for rent, which is just crazy because every <laughs> penny you pay in rent is not wealth that you're building, right? Your house is the bank account that you can live in. Unless, you know, you're building somebody else's wealth if you're paying the rent. Well, this is true. This is true, (laughs) which is also a very important part of the whole economy. So I guess, you know, and I'm not anti-rent. I've been a renter. My kids have been renters. I mean, we all have a certain time in our lives when renting is the most appropriate choice. But the days of people saying, I'm going to rent instead of buy because it's cheaper are kind of days gone by is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's especially if you're weighing, especially if you're weighing the benefits, you know, of owning versus renting. Well, if you look at even locally, the comparable prices for rent to a house at that at that. Yeah, your mortgage payment. Yeah. And then you Mm -hmm. look at the amount of space you get to live in in the house. And usually you have a yard with that, which you don't have with the apartment. Right. And, and course, your own kind equity. of your own control and the equity building the wealth. <laughs> and what I what I say to people is, you know, don't look at that. You know, you get into the closing table and they focus on if you pay all 30 years worth of payments, this is with the interest. This is what yes. you pay. I'm like, don't even look at it, because the chances of you living in this house for 30 years, I probably have a better chance of being. Mrs. Minnesota, okay? It's not going to happen. You're not going to be living in this house for 30 years. Those days are gone. People are switching jobs too often. They're moving freely around the country to, in many cases, to live a better life. You know, if they love skiing, they move to the mountains. If they love golf, they move to the south. You know, it's like people are are living life. And that's one thing I will say about the millennials is those days of saving it all up for retirement and that whole philosophy of, you know, saving every penny you make so that one day when you're old, you'll have all kinds of money. It's it's different. It's a different mindset and it's a different lifestyle. And I don't think it's all bad. You know, I don't, I don't think people need to be irresponsible, but I do think people do need to live life. And that's why I always focus on what can you afford per month comfortably? And that's what we should be shopping for. That's how, not what your pre-approval letter says. Great. I'm so happy that you have a great job and you make all kinds of money and you have great credit and they say that you can afford comfortably, you know, $3,000 a month. But if we can find you a house that you can live in for $2,000 a month, think about that. You've got that extra $1,000 to save or to travel or to do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. And $2,000 a month will buy you quite a bit of house. Absolutely. Absolutely. So back to the lumber, because I, I do this. Okay. I, get side, I get sidetracked, and I'm sorry about that. But as you can probably, well, I know you know well, but I, I'm guessing that most of our listeners have figured out, I am so passionate about real estate and about what I do. And I'm just so, I love reading and reading and reading and learning and learning and learning. And I love being able to educate the buyers and the sellers and really help them make the best decisions they can make, whether they're selling or buying, because it's so important to have that guidance. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. So the builders have been blaming the rising material costs, including lumber, for the skyrocketing prices and the project delays and all the new home construction. 
But buyers may not want to celebrate yet because even though the lumber prices have dropped to $800 per thousand board feet on Monday, lowest it's been since January 1 of 2022, it's still higher than it ever was, um, you know, pre-pandemic. So um, the lumber cost last year actually added on average $18,000 to an average new build. Now, Clearly, a bigger, more expensive house. That number is going to go up, right? But on average, Absolutely. so I mean, it's it's not nothing. You know, it's it's a pretty significant amount, and they are predicting that lumber prices could continue to decline because otherwise, home prices are going to be unaffordable. And seasonal home demands are lessening. You know, people were really bringing, buying those cabins on the lake and those homes in Arizona and homes in Florida when they could get free money, pretty much. And so now that that's not happening, there's not this huge demand. I mean, trust me, we are plenty of homes short, but it's not the same frivolous demand. So the people who had the cash and could even build the houses for a summer weekend that the interest rate doesn't affect them but the lumber prices do right yeah so anyway it's all it's all very very interesting to me because you know people get all gloom and doom about the inflation and the rates going up and I know I told you this before, but it really brings me back to when I was graduating high school and I was so depressed because all you heard on the news was inflation's the worst it's been in 20 years and prices have never been this high and gas has gone over a dollar a gallon and, you know, whatever it was, right? It was crazy. Well, it was high. Well, yeah. if you factor in inflation, it was high. Right, right. And so, I mean, but I honestly remember thinking, oh, what a terrible time to become an adult and go into the world. I'm not going to be able to afford a house or a car or food. I I really thought I was just going to be, but you know what? I don't even remember. I don't even remember it being (laughs) tough. I remember always working hard to get what I needed, and I don't remember any kind of dark, you know what I mean? It It was fine. We got through it. Yes, exactly. It was a period of time, and it was... And it's so cyclical. The stuff, I go back to those times because you and I are basically the same age. And the similarities are just striking. You had the yeah. war in Afghanistan happening, the Soviets yes. invading Afghanistan. We had that hanging over our head. Yes. We had, as you pointed out, the economy was going through stagflation. Uh, and right, when we graduated from high school, the economy, the, the job market was terrible. Right. There were no good jobs. There were no jobs. Now you want to work? Just pick your place and go get yeah. a job. Everybody's hiring. 20 bucks an hour to work a job that doesn't yes. require any education. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. So hopefully that will help the people get by through these tougher times, right? I now mean, I that like, would... I sound like my grandpa now that I think about it. <laughs> That is exactly what I said to Scott the other day. I said, you sound just like your grandmother. <laughs> I'm like, let it go. It's out of our control. It's going to be okay. Remember, let's focus on not getting stressed out over the things we can't control. Well, that's a good way to look at it. We yeah. do have to take our break. This time I am keeping track. So we'll come right back and chat some more with Robin Gwaltney, Gwaltney Group Remax Results here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We'll be right back with Robin Gwaltney and Andy Brownell on Rochester Real Estate. This is News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. 
Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It's Sean Gwaltney from Gwaltney Group, Remax Results, and Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell. We're here this morning with Robin Gwaltney, Gwaltney Group, Remax Results. Of course, we're talking about real estate. That's what the whole show is about. Robin, I have noticed the trend. I know it's not a huge trend, but it seems to me that the inventory, the number of homes up for sales seems to be going up a little bit. Am I imagining that? Nope, you're not imagining that. That is absolutely happening. And I think, um, you know, last year sellers thought, okay, well, I can pretty much sell my house anytime now and I'm going to get top dollar. And they're right. (laughs) And they still think that, but there are plenty of sellers that I'm meeting with that are worried, how long is this going to last? Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. You know, certainly I don't have a crystal ball, and um, I don't know any more than anybody else who studies the market knows, but I do have really strong feelings that the strong housing market isn't going anywhere, and that is based on the fact that we are still so short of inventory. So, yes, we are getting more houses on the market, Um, The number of new listings is actually increasing month over month. So in um, January, there were 326 new listings. In February, 370. In March, 434. And then in April, 492. So each month, a few more houses, which is fabulous. But guess what? Each month, the days on market has actually gone down. So in January, the average days on market was 19. In February, the average days on market was 17. In March, the average days on market was 16. And in April, the average days on market was 15. So we have more houses to sell, but they're selling faster. Of course, think about it. We're in, if you think about just Minnesota, I'm I'm speaking our local market now, of course. And when you think about Minnesota, we're selling more houses in March and April than we are January. I mean, that's just a lot of that has to do with our climate. Absolutely. We all would prefer to be out and about looking at homes when it's just gorgeous outside. Exactly. But so, part of this I thought of too is all the people anybody who's putting their home up for sale, in the vast majority of those cases, those people are also in the market to buy a home. Yes, but not always here, because keep in mind, what we have in Rochester is a lot of transition. A lot of people come to do a three-year fellowship or a four-year residency or four years for residency, three years for fellowship, and then they're out. Or they come here to get Mayo Clinic on their resume or whatever. So we have a lot of people coming and going and coming and going. So a lot of the houses that I have been listing recently, the sellers are actually relocating, leaving town. So, you know, whether it's just better job offers, closer to their skiing, closer to their golf, whatever it is that drives them. You know, I feel like me personally, majority of my clients move to be closer to family, whether that is people moving to be closer to aging parents or people moving to be closer to their grandbabies growing up. But majority of the people that I help, if they're not leaving Rochester because of work, they're just leaving to be closer to family. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Always makes sense. And so I do want to talk about one little thing since we're talking about inventory and the market. Everybody keeps saying to me, 
So when are we going to start seeing the foreclosures? When are the foreclosures coming? Okay, can I say this one more time? It's not going to happen, people. (laughs) All right, and now let me explain why. First of all, in 2008, when we had the market, the housing market crash, there were so many houses on the market, so many. So if all of a sudden you're going into foreclosure and now your house is just one more house that has to sell in an overstocked housing market, that wasn't great, right? So it, it didn't necessarily give you an opportunity to sell your house and um, forego being foreclosed on. Right, you didn't you didn't have that opportunity. Well, we are still so short in inventory. I mean, crazy short. I think I read. I want to quote something because I read something okay. really interesting. It was something about a million houses. I mean, literally nationwide, um, a million nationwide, houses. a nationwide, a million houses could come on the market, and we would still not have enough houses for what our needs are. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, it's it's a lot, and so. Looking at foreclosures, again, let's go back to just the last five years. In 2017, there were 324,220 foreclosures. In 2018, and this isn't because of any housing crash. This is just people who overspent, got in trouble, lost jobs, got divorced, whatever their reasons were. But um, in 2018, that number dropped to 279,040. In 2019, the number dropped to 277,520. Well, in 2020, with a big thanks to the forbearance programs, uh, that number dropped to 129,000. Okay? Mm-hmm. In 2021, 38,000 foreclosures. That's all. 38,000. That's it. 38,000. I suppose you put on the house, the market in the house, you, odds are you're going to be able to pay off what you owe and maybe even have some change in your pocket. Right. So first of all, you're going to be able to sell it, right? Because everybody's looking for houses. So rather than go through the foreclosure, and that's why when I hear people say, oh, you know, I think so-and-so is going to lose their house. Why? They just need guidance. Nobody should be losing their house now. Just let's get the house on the market, get it sold, pay off the bank. You'll have money to go rent somewhere or move in with your parents or your siblings and save some money. I mean, there is a way because right now the average homeowner, the average homeowner has $155,000 in equity, okay? And I think you remember the stat, but 36% of homes right now have zero mortgage and 63% have positive equity. So 1% of homeowners across the nation are in trouble. And a lot of those are still in the forbearance program or have worked out a payment plan with their bankers. So thank God that is not going to be a huge issue. So when you are reading these headlines that talk about um, the number of foreclosures in today's housing market, please, please pay attention to the context because it is important. It's always important to pay attention. It's important. Yes. So we're going to be running out of time soon. I know you, did you have some listings? Oh, can I, yes. I want to talk about three new listings real quick. Okay. Sure. As, as I already told you, I'm in Nashville, so I'm not there, but somebody from my team would love (laughs) to show these to you today and sell them. And I think there's even actually open houses. So one of them is 1935 Gemini Drive Southwest. And that one is listed for 429.9. It's a four bed, three bath, three car garage. Beautiful house built in 2009. So we've got that one. 
And then we've got uh, one at 67231 155th Avenue down in Wabasha. It's down on the prairie, situated on the backwaters. Absolutely drop-dead gorgeous house. Five bedrooms, five baths, three-car garage. And that one is 785 and then back to Rochester. Well, actually, the address is Orinoco, but it's out on 18th Avenue past Sargent's way out. 1195 Cary Court Northwest in Orinoco. And that one is 689.9. And I know for a fact there's an open house there today. So beautiful place. It sits on six acres, four beds, four baths, three-car garage. Um, great houses for you and anything else we can do for you questions about selling or buying feel free to call me on my cell phone that number is 507-259-4926 and literally i'm off to the races okay robin (laughs) we'll talk to you next week thank you so much all right bye-bye bye Bye. robin gwaltney with gwaltney group remax results on news talk 1340 caro cam and 96.9 news talk 1340